Hi everyone, welcome back to Sustainability Speaks. We're your hosts, Anastasia and Saskia. On today's podcast, we are joined by Carrie Davis from One Essentials. This is a brand that focuses on creating beautiful, high quality and biodegradable clothing items. As well as underwear, the brand also creates unisex tees and sweaters. Carrie, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about the origins of One Essentials? Hi, thank you so much. Um, Yeah, as you mentioned, we create um, sustainable basics and essentials. The purpose of what we're trying to do is really just reevaluate those things that we don't think very much about and start to create those with the least environmental impact possible for the things that you really do wear every day. So those most hardworking items um, in our wardrobes. And we're doing that starting literally from the bottom up um, with underwear and also kind of complementing basics. So just to start us off, I think it would be very interesting if you could delve in a little bit deeper about the origins um, of One Essentials. And also perhaps, as you said, you mentioned you focus on the most hardworking items in our wardrobe. Why was it this particular problem that you've decided to solve? Yeah, I think it was, you know, I've, um, from my own personal experience working in the industry for um, now about 15 years, um, we, as as a designer, create so much stuff. Even before that gets to the shop floor, there's so much product development that goes on behind the scenes. And we've, we're always thinking so much about these items that were either showpieces or kind of the beautiful things. Um but actually the volume of buy was going behind the items that we weren't thinking about, the ones that are t-shirts, sweatshirts, um, basic jumpers, the items that we were buying really big quantities in and the, the level of kind of care for sustainability in those pieces tended to be a lot more around um, colors, what colorways should we do, what will people buy, but it was all driven by price. And I think, for me, there was a real sense of frustration that actually these are the things that I wear all the time. As a as like a, somebody who loves clothes, my wardrobe is probably built out of basics and, and essentials as opposed to being built with these kind of press-worthy items. So it was like, this is how I dress. This is what I wear every single day. But actually, we're not really considering this from an environmental perspective. It was always first and foremost considered about price. Um, and so I really wanted to address that and look at the impact of these items and what was the problem category, so to say, within them. And that's where underwear came out, because it really is the one thing that we all wear. But it's also the one item that everybody puts in the bin. We've not created that item to go in the bin. Underwear generally is made from um, mixed fiber materials, so it's harder to recycle. It's also a really small item, so even with mechanical recycling, it's it's more difficult and less people will do that for you um, as a service. So, you know, it really is this disposable item that's not actually been made to be disposed of. It's a bit, in the same way, it's a bit like you would think of um, a disposable coffee cup being made like they're not made to be disposed of, they're not made to biodegrade and that's what happens to them. They get put in landfill and they get put into junk and the same happens to our underwear when you put it in your black bins because it's got holes in it or you've had it for 10 years and it's stained and you don't want it anymore. Those items do not, 
get sorted and recycled they they go into landfill um and they've not been created for that end use and they've not been created um for us to dispose of them easily but also at the same time they're the items we also wear closest to our skin so why are we wearing polyester why are we wearing nylon why are we wearing these synthetic materials that are dyed with chemical dye stuff right next to the most sensitive parts of our bodies it just seemed really strange that we've created products in this way and we've not really thought about a how we want them as a as a human being next to our bodies but also the damage that they could be doing later on in their life cycle so one essentials was kind of a bit of a journey on from my side of of, uh, circular design learning and learning how to create products within the circular economy ecosystem as it's growing and evolving but also kind of for the right use case for that product, which is where the disposability of underwear really started to interest me and how could we actually start to design something that needs to be hard wearing because we wear it all the time, needs to last all of those washes that we put it through, but also fundamentally it needs to be able to be thrown away. Um, so that's that's where it all came about really. I think this is really great because as someone who shops secondhand all the time, I always struggle where to find underwear from because obviously I'm not quite as willing to wear secondhand underwear as I would secondhand jeans perhaps exactly and you know you can get secondhand underwear we do see it in the charity shops but normally it's pre-sealed and you know it's not that's still not been considered in terms of its fabrics and materials and one of the main problems is you know let's look at these material choices that we're putting into these effectively commodity items that's the way we have to think now about kind of the product that we're creating and the way that in my head we've started to talk about it a little bit more is actually it's a commodity it's a bit like when people are asking you to swap your plastic toothbrush for a bamboo one we have to talk about it in the sense of a commodity item it's the thing that we don't really want to think about because it should be something really easy people pick up their pants as they do their shopping in the supermarket um but actually what are they made from what's gone into them and on the flip side, looking at the kind of ethical stance from the supply chain, why are they so cheap? <laughs> I would like to understand from your perspective, is are there any current specific fashion trends within the underwear industry specifically, which are either posing challenges to sustainability or are improving it? And the reason that I also ask this question, I think this will be helpful to the listeners to understand in terms of, for example, fast fashion with basic clothes or any type of clothes, that's one of the main challenges to sustainability. Would you correlate underwear and fast fashion together or not? Um, Not necessarily. I think there's a world of underwear, which is luxury and premium, which people are prepared to invest in. And they know that they're going to have that item for a long time. It doesn't feel as fast, um, even if it's new colorways or new new um, patterns it doesn't feel as quick because we know that we're going to be wearing these items a lot and we're probably going to have them um, for two plus years so I don't necessarily associate underwear with the sense of these quick fashion trends that we see um, within bigger apparel collections but one of the biggest problems I think with underwear is that it's been made to be this cheap item this like thing that costs us a few pounds for a pack of 10 um that's not right that shouldn't now having learned how the time and the the complications of actually sewing and making underwear having worked with our manufacturers um on this product category because this product category was new for me as a designer when I started exploring it um I was like gobsmacked at the time 
and the complexities of creating these really small items that are normally so cheap. So for me, that's the big problem within this category is why are we able to buy a pack of 10 for like three quid? Don't understand. It really blows my mind. Um, and also if we are buying a pack of 10 for three quid, what does that mean? Where have they come from? How much have they been made? And what's in that material and that dye stuff that allows it to be so inexpensive? Um, you know cheaper than a sandwich and a coffee at prayer it doesn't it doesn't make any sense it feels illogical um, and so for me that's the biggest problem with the underwear category it's not necessarily changing of trends it's more it's been made to be this cheap item um, I guess it's similar to things like t-shirts and other essential basics they shouldn't be so cheap um, and therefore, because they're becoming cheaper, I guess the fabrics have less longevity, so we're buying them more frequently than we would have before. It's just for me, that's the biggest the biggest challenge um, is to try and ascertain value back into an item that we've kind of completely lost the value uh, remit for. You mentioned earlier about how you've been in the industry for 15 years, I think, if, if I remember that correctly. Would you say that your experience working with fashion brands has shaped your ambition with One Essentials? Well, yeah, 100%. So 15 years is if my math is correct. So I graduated um, in 2008 um, and I my first job was at Debenhams and I worked on one of their multi-brand um, brands in-house there and I had such an amazing learning experience there because we were covering all of these different product categories and it wasn't fast fashion hadn't really come about then like Primark was just getting going in the UK and there was Topshop that was obviously a huge brand then but it wasn't dominated as much by quick cheap clothing there was still an excitement around what would Topshop do what would they deliver that nobody else was going to do so there was still excitement even in that kind of broader high street around when I graduated and I think I was there for two and a half three years and when I then started to move into premium and lifestyle brands what actually shocked me more was that those brands felt so further behind the sustainability developments that, that was happening at Debenhams at the time from even just them starting to introduce organic cotton as early as 2008-2009 um, onto the UK high street and so it felt like some of these bigger these kind of I guess more elevated brands which you associated with a higher price point were just not having these conversations and they were not looking at that within their supply chain or their material choices so I've kind of I kind of find that such a big challenge and always wanted to push the the brands that I was working in more to to do that because it was a bit like well if we can do it at Debenhams then surely we can do it here so that very much shaped my view as like a challenge to be able to build these ranges with sustainable credentials but we were always driven regardless of where we were of course by price but also by um, the existing supply chain structure of the businesses. And at that time, it was also where suppliers were not anywhere near as informed or on board as what they are now. A lot of suppliers are doing all of their own sustainability initiatives because they see, A, the value, but also B, that that's where the industry is going to be and they want to be leading that charge. Um, back then, it really wasn't. It, was, it really wasn't as bigger conversation as what it is now um so I think it very much shaped it but I think there's also working for lifestyle brands also really shaped kind of my idea of the value on the everyday 
because some of the items that I have from my times working at brands like Barber, I mean, they're things that I'm going to have with me for forever, I think, because they offer things. They were always offered, you know, their guarantee, rewaxing and repair services. They've been offering that since day one, but also their products are made with such quality and longevity. Um, so I guess that kind of installed this, I, the more of the, the essence of actually let's look at these things that we wear all the time, but that we don't have to refresh every season, that the things that should be in our wardrobes consistently. And so I really hope that with Water Essentials, we'll get the opportunity to grow and actually expand our product categories to cover more of these kind of wardrobe basics that I want people to be able to have in their wardrobes for a long time and it's the, their favorite jumper because it goes back with all of their jeans and it's their favorite underwear because it's so comfortable and it's lasted so long and I want us to be known for those sorts of products um not for chasing trends or for chasing color seasonal uh highlights in colors or seasonal shifts I want us to be really kind of like that almost like that familiar friend that you know you'll come back to and they've got exactly what you want I hope that we'll be able to grow to offer that and obviously embed all of our sustainability and circular and ethical sourcing principles within everything that we do. So you've spoken quite a bit in terms of uh, having a sustainable supply chain and knowing what a you're using for your product and also b for the consumer to know what they're putting on the most intimate and sensitive areas of their body. Could you expand a little bit on the role of tech and fabric development in just sustainability as well as biodegradable fashion? Yeah, of course. I think um, technology and fabric innovation has a huge part to play in where we're going, especially when we look at raw materials and the amount of product we want to produce as a as a hum, human species um, and the amount of raw materials that we have. Tech and innovation is going to be so important to sustain our, our kind of goals of environmental um reducing our environmental impact going forward and it has a really big part to play and i think brands like pangaya who are really driving that through their whole product story as part of their business model um are really interesting because they're at the forefront of those material innovations and they're they're putting them into the products that we talk about these everyday items um for me technology can give us the opportunity to look at fibers we wouldn't have considered before so for example the material that we use the biodegradable elastane is um, a synthetic polymer that's been created to biodegrade um, in soil conditions so normal elastics are made from plastic that obviously doesn't go anywhere um, and comes from a crude oil source so we're improving there but also I want I cur we currently look at other materials that reduce our reliance on virgin sources. So we mix our cotton with a blend of recycled cotton so that we can reduce the amount of raw cotton that we, we need and we use to make these products. But we still maintain those fantastic properties that cotton gives us when we're wearing it next to our body, such as breathability, the softness that we get from that material, um, moisture wicking, all of these kind of naturally inherent properties to cotton which is why it makes such a good underwear um fiber base and i think going forward looking at all all of the different types of lab grown materials that are coming out i'm sure there are wonderful things that are going to be coming our way in the probably not too distant future so you know there are people looking at things where we can grow fabrics to the shape of the pattern I mean, that would reduce waste that would reduce excess and everything would be made 
you know, almost in a lab to, to piece order. How amazing would that be? Um, so I think there's a there's a place for it, and I think it's going to have a huge part going forward, especially as the demand for virgin resources becomes more. But I also think we need to look at what are the natural fibres local to us, and how do we b- become less of a global um a global business how do we become much more of a localized business and what does that then mean for the products that we create um i think localizing our sources will help us going forward as we move into kind of times of more harsher climates and changing levels of um, yields for more materials being more localized in what we use um i foresee that as being something that will help going forward and will play a huge part in building sustainable ranges beyond just tracing where everything comes from it will be more about how local is that to to where you're manufacturing it where you're selling it from and of course that also reduce your carbon footprint as well from also a personal standpoint it would be very interesting to hear whether when you shop for these essentials you also look for all of those credentials as much as they're available of course and perhaps whether you have some advice for our listeners in terms of how they can shop more sustainably and more ethically yeah a hundred percent um I think it's a really interesting conversation because you always want to practice what you preach right um however I will hold my hands up and say no not always because sometimes you just have to get something because you need it right then and there I like to know that I buy from brands that are either local to me. Um, and so then I know I'm supporting a local business. So for me, buying small over buying large is always really important. Um, and also if those brands, regardless of size, can show that they understand their impact of their material choices and their supply chain and that they know where things are from. Transparency for me is important because there's so much complexities within the supply chain and and coming from inside the industry I feel like I almost have to have to take a bit of responsibility of knowing that additional information that I can make a considered decision if a brand chooses to share it or not but let's you know be realistic we all we all need things not everybody can afford everything um that they would like and i think for consumers generally the most important thing is to understand what's right for you um are you gonna if you're buying this item and it has got polyester in for example do you know that you do you think you're going to wear that item for a long time is it still an item that's durable um that means you're going to wear it a lot and it's not going to break down and it's not going to get damaged and if it does get damaged does that brand offer you a repair service so that you can get it repaired I think there's a lot to be said for looking at product longevity not just and and that based on your own choice and and own decision making as well and your own unique circumstance we can't all tell everybody to go and buy 100% traceable products because at the moment the reality is with the globalization of the fashion industry it's not possible um even with brands on massive scales so even for us as a small business we offer supply chain transparency on our products and we i share on the website with every product item 
what we know of the supply chain and where where the things come from but for things like our um, elastic trim for example because we're buying that in such small quantities we don't know exactly where our organic cotton comes from for our elastic trim but we do know that it's organic so as we kind of go through this process we're hoping to get more transparency on the areas where at the moment we don't but with our main fabric we have transparency all the way to the the cotton farm that the original cotton came from um, which for a business of our size is pretty unusual and I think going forward transparency and of supply chain and traceability of supply chain is going to be something that if the bigger brands push for it because if say EU legislation changes and demands it that will allow smaller businesses like us to be to easily showcase that as well it could be something that becomes more of a norm um which would be a really exciting place to be so for anybody out there that is looking for a sustainable purchase or sustainable i just think what's sustainable for you and how are you going to use that item and if you're only going to wear it once rent it instead well thank you so much for joining us today carrie if anybody listening to this podcast wants to check them out the link will be in the show notes Please also make sure to listen to our other podcasts and follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn and Facebook for more updates.